Mobile Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, they are all moving higher as we move into the final hour of trading. We've got the S&P 500 index up five now. That is a gain of two-tenths of one percent. The Dow higher by 56, up three-tenths of one percent. And we have got NASDAQ up by three. That is a gain of one-tenth of one percent. The old record on the S&P, 2402. That was set back on May 15th. Right now, the S&P is at 2399. Gold down 870 the ounce, lower by six tenths of one percent. Right now, we have got the 10-year down 830 seconds. The yield there, 2.28 percent. And West Texas Intermediate Crude continuing to trade above $51 a barrel. WTI ahead of the OPEC meeting this week. It is now at 51.49, up 36 cents. That is a gain of seven tenths of one percent. So the S&P 500 index is uh, a fourth straight gain, taking it to within points of a closing record. Banks are pacing today's gains. As for the economic backdrop, Russ Kostrich is portfolio manager at BlackRock. We have a solid economy. Globally, you're seeing the the uh, the expansion spread out. But there's not much evidence that we're seeing this type of significant acceleration. Certainly not an inflation that people were discounting back in November and December. I think this is why the 10-year yield is about 20 basis points lower than when it started the year. And right now, the 10-year, 2.29%, down 9.30 seconds. AutoZone. Lower today after reporting profit and sales that missed analyst estimates as the distributor of car replacement parts joined a chorus of retailers saying U.S. tax return delays squelched demand earlier this year. AutoZone down 11.1%. Recapping S&P higher up five, a gain of two-tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pellet, thank you so much. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. Crazy. Dave Wilson joins us right now. He's our Bloomberg Stocks editor and is a couple sandwiches short of a picnic. No. Why'd you pick that song, David? Well, you know, we haven't had the let's go crazy stage of the stock market yet. If you think about, you know, the past eight years or so, you can't really put your finger on a period where, you know, people just kind of threw caution to the wind and stepped in and started buying shares. And uh, Michael Hartman, who is the chief investment strategist over at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, alluded to the possibility that we have one coming soon. The way he described it, it's the possibility of a speculative overshoot in U.S. stocks. And he pointed to a number of indicators that kind of led him to that conclusion that we may be headed in in this particular direction. One of them that I highlighted in the chart is looking at U.S. growth stocks. And we know that, you know, technology companies, the big names, the Apples and the Facebooks of the world sort of dominate that category of shares. And then looking at the U.S. growth stocks relative to value stocks around the world, the whole idea of you know, these are the companies where you, you've got the lowest price earnings ratios or, you know, lowest uh, value relative to their assets or whatever. And what's interesting is that if you look at where we've been in the past month or so, this ratio, which uh, Hartnett constructed using MSCI indexes, uh, it set a record. And it actually rose above the peak that we saw back in 2000. 
as that period known as the Internet bubble was coming to a crescendo. So, you know, it is something worth watching in the sense that, you know, you got I think it's different of, this time around, though. Well, certainly a so. lot of people have made that point because, you know, the kinds of companies you're looking at, the Apples and the Facebooks, I mean, they have a lot much more solid businesses than the ones uh, perhaps that were leading the way up. Uh, going back to 1999 and 2000. I mean, there was a whole lot more sort of speculative interest built into those shares. And that's exactly the point, that, you know, we haven't seen the kind of fervor for stocks that typically happens at the end of bull markets. And so Hartnett said, you got to watch out because it may very well be coming soon. And if you want to know more, folks, send me an email. I'll get you the chart the explanation that goes with it, and everything I do going forward. The email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. Or not, because it is different this time around. Just saying. It's always different. Well, (laughs) is it always different? The question is, what are the things that are the same? (laughs) I guess so. Um, But definitely gives us some food for thought. Let's get uh, some more food for thought on the economic front. Julian Ishtalaitava is our senior U.S. economist with Bloomberg Intelligence, our in-house group of analysts. Um, I did see, what, new home sales today. Yeah, what a, a strange uh, number today, actually. So it was a big drop, and uh, I don't think it's uh, the beginning of the end, actually. it's it's. I think it's a seasonal aberration. So uh, what happens usually during the spring season, uh, new home sales peak in April. So if you look at the raw data, uh, for non-seasonally adjusted series for new home sales. Uh, that uh, series peaks in April and then kind of like flattens out. So what happened this year uh, was uh, that new home sales peaked in March as opposed to peaking in April as uh, happened in the previous couple of years. So this seasonal aberration caused a lot of volatility between March and April. But the trend is still to the upside, and I think uh, that remains intact what is the volatility unusual i mean i I mean i I, it seems to me that it is yes uh, i don't know what actually caused it so sometimes uh, the peak happens earlier and maybe you know it's very consistent it's very inconsistent but it seems like the the strongest number is usually in april and that's not what happened this year but still every consecutive year year's peak is higher than the previous one. So from that, I actually conclude that uh, the trend is still to the upside. And I do expect a pickup in home sales uh, to, to happen this year. But I think the most important point of this week, though, is the Fed minutes. And this is something that is coming out tomorrow. And uh, that's what we are closely watching. So uh, everybody is expecting to hear something about the balance sheet unwind, and this is probably uh, go- going to be the main feature of uh, tomorrow's minutes because, you know, the statement uh, of the May meeting was quite uh, uh, an uneventful, actually not, not an event in a sense uh, that um, – Everybody is expecting uh, the Fed to hike rates in June, but nobody really knows what exactly they're going to do with the balance sheet. Uh, yeah, well, indeed, and and, and uh, how might the budget that we're you know at least getting some details about it with the, what uh, 
Absolutely, what that All is one. Yeah, that is one of the main things we are watching as well. So we uh, we were watching the uh, conference, the press conference of the director of the Office of uh, Management and Budget today, and uh, one uh, thing that uh, actually struck our mind was uh, the assumptions for GDP growth. Quite an optimistic assumption for GDP growth. This, um, you know, uh, in this coming decade. So uh, while it doesn't look uh, very uh, too over optimistic in 17, 18, and 19. Uh, growth is assumed to pick up quite considerably uh, by 2020, and uh, that uh, rate is assumed to be at 3%. So to get there, you need uh, <clears throat> a couple of things. You need growth in population, which uh, given the current demographics is not probably going to happen, or you need a pickup in productivity. And uh, that's a questionable thing, and nobody knows whether it's going to happen or not, but uh, one way or another, the assumptions seem to be uh, quite overly optimistic. Dave, from an equity perspective, anything you could add? Well, I was just uh, going to mention the home builders because yeah. they're mostly lower in today's trading. And Toll Brothers is a very specific example. They talked about how their spring selling season was the best in more than a decade. The stock initially rose after they came out with their quarterly results, and it's given back the entire gain, which was 3.5% at one point, and it's now lower by four-tenths of a percent. So clearly there's some skepticism about where the home building industry goes from here. And the S&P Super Composite Home Building Index still up, Dave, almost 24% this year. Yeah, but it really did start flattening out in March, just like Yelena was talking about with the numbers. So following the data point, right, or the data points uh, on the economic side of it. Dave Olson, thank you so much. Stocks Editor at Bloomberg News. He'll be back with his Stock of the Day a little bit later on. And Yelena Shaletova, our our senior U.S. economist at Bloomberg Intelligence. Let's get some world and national news headlines with Bloomberg News anchor Adrian Mitchell and our 99.1 studios in our nation's capital. Corey and Carol, British police have released the name of the suicide bomber who killed 22 people after an Ariana Grande concert in Manchester. I can confirm that the man suspected of carrying out last night's atrocity is 22-year-old Salman Abidi. Greater Manchester Police Chief Ian Hopkins. Police say although the Islamic State has claimed responsibility, they don't know whether Abedi was part of any terrorist network. President Trump's just-released budget isn't expected to get much support in Congress, even among Republicans. Urban and rural residents who helped send Trump to the White House would bear the brunt of its $3.6 trillion in spending cuts, including cuts in benefits for the poor and disabled and farmers. Senate Democrats made a last-minute push to the Transportation Department to win the release of grant money for transit projects before the budget was released. One of the things that was being held up was the Caltrain project, and so that was definitely a little bit of a political football. Congressional Republicans had written a letter to the Trump administration earlier this year asking them to put on hold this large light rail investment because they were skeptical of its benefits. Bloomberg PNA Transportation reporter Sean Courtney We're getting more vacation days, but we're scared to take them all. A travel industry initiative called Project Time Off finds full-time workers with paid vacation days earned an average 22 and a half paid days off, up nearly one day from 2015, but more than half didn't use them all. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Adrian Mitchell.